episode of T Watches a Scary Movie. Appreciate everybody tuning in for another brand new episode. If you're watching the video version right now, that means you're checking us out here on YouTube, which is youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. Again, that's youtube.com slash C slash Theron Reynolds Scary Movie. Or you listen to the audio version on one of your favorite podcasting platforms. Remember, new video versions go up every Wednesday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. And the video version is also where you can catch, the only place to catch, uh, all my separate reviews as well, too. Because we have new episodes that go up every Wednesday. And there's always uh, typically at least one review in there, except if I'm doing an interview. Uh, and then I'm usually talking a lot of movie, game, TV news, whatever at that point. But as y'all have seen in the last few months, I've been pumping out a lot more reviews on non-new episode days. So, again, if you are watching the video version, not only do you have access to the new episodes, you also have access to my separate reviews as well, too. If you're watching the audio version, at least right now, you only have access to the new episodes. So you definitely want to get subscribed to the YouTube page so you can check that out there. So, what are we talking about tonight? In addition to bringing my review of the 1997 miniseries The Shining, brought to you by ABC, uh, there was a lot of really fun and interesting new horror news that has popped up, including the fact that it is finally official, all of you Terrifier fans out there, that Terrifier 2 is officially coming this October. The trailer uh, per, uh, premiered. It is coming out, y'all, on October 6th, if I'm correct. Yeah, on October 6th, it is going out through a number of theaters nationwide. It is your chance to catch Terrifier 2 and get another chance to catch Art the Clown. Now, this is probably a great time to point out that I myself have never seen Terrifier. I've never seen that film at all. Um, I've heard it is absolutely brutal, that the kills in that film are just far and wide beyond anything that you could ever expect. And uh, it's on the list because as y'all know, I've been spending 2022 watching as many new horror films as humanly possible to the point that I just got done last night actually watching the new film, Glorious. Oh my God, Glorious. My Lord. I've said it numerous times on this show already, but let me say it again. If you are a horror fan and you do not have a subscription to Shudder, you have screwed up tremendously at this point. The amount of just fantastic films we've gotten from this company has been absolutely amazing and uh, glorious. One of the more recent ones that just came out, it just hit uh, on the 18th actually, was directed by Rebecca McKendry. It was written by uh, David McKendry, along with Joshua Hall and Todd uh, Rigney. And it's gonna be one that I'll probably review uh, maybe closer to the end of this year, maybe earlier, uh, early next year, because the docket's pretty full right now. Um, but I've been loving watching all of these new horror films on Shudder because it just shows you that they are willing to do what HBO Max is not willing to do right now. Uh, if the last couple of weeks have been evidence of anything, it's that certain executives don't know how to run their streaming companies, how to run their film companies. And Shudder has shown this year that they just know what the fuck to do. They know what they're doing. They know how to do it. They know the best way to do it for horror fans. 
And as it's relatively new, and I'm not doing my review for it tonight, um, y'all need to check that one out there. What definitely looks like it is an over-the-top, quirky, B-movie-style monster flick. It is so much more than that, y'all. Um, this movie is just absolutely incredible. I was blown away by it and the ending of it, the twist that comes towards the end, um, did not see coming at all. It absolutely sell, uh, helped to sell the movie even more than when I was first watching it. Uh, just phenomenal, just absolutely phenomenal. And J.K. Simmons, who y'all know J.K. Simmons, just continues to just be such a delight in anything he's doing. But Ryan Quant uh, Quantum, man, um, let, me, let me tell you about Ryan Quantum really quickly. If you don't know the guy, um, you've seen him likely in a number of different things. For example, the phenomenal Dead Silence made by James Wan. Uh, pretty much the big Saw follow-up for James Wan there. Amazing film. We should have gotten a franchise out of it, but we didn't get a franchise regardless. But you got Dead Silence. You got Knights of Badassdom. Um, you have True Blood, of course. You have, uh, uh, you have This Glorious. You have Hurricane Heist. The man is no stranger to horror. And he just is continuing to slay it in a very, very different role for him as well, too. Because Ryan Quanten uh, kind of grew up playing a lot of the himbos, as you know. These are the male bimbos we have in horror. And he did good with it. I'm not, I'm not trying to like crack down on him or anything or say like the guy sucked and can only play that. But those are the roles he was very much getting cast in. And it was interesting watching him in this film, Glorious, kind of play completely against the type that he would usually be expected to be. And uh, you got to get that twist. You have got to get that twist out of this film. Uh, because I don't want to spoil anything. So go, please, please, please go and check out Glorious on Shutter right now or through Prime. Uh, with Shutter on Prime, if you have that. That's definitely not one that you are going to want to miss at all there. Uh, what else? What else do we have to talk about? So, like I said, Terrifier is coming out October 6th. It was announced we are getting a uh, killer clowns uh, from outer space asymmetrical multiplayer game coming. Folks, there has just been pandemonium for killer clowns in the last decade especially. Uh, they have just been getting uh, a lot of new eyes on it. A lot of people have finally seen the film for the first time. It's gotten, uh, you know, it's Blu-ray release. It's gotten just so many fresh eyes paying attention to the product itself but yet and still there was only ever one film there was no tv show there was no sequel nothing like that at all so at some point when we're getting all these follow-ups all these classic horror properties something had to be in the works and it was revealed that the main creator from uh uh from the friday the 13th video game that some of you might have played that uh, yours truly helped kickstart as well too uh is behind the efforts to make this multiplayer game and honestly guys i'm all in i'm all in you don't need to sell me on these games just like you didn't have to sell me on the texas chainsaw massacre game as well too i love the friday the 13th video game i still play the friday the 13th video game and yeah i play evil dead yeah i play uh back for blood i play dead by daylight you know i play a lot of these asymmetrical multiplayer games that are made for horror and it just seems like this is the way that we're going to get to, like, kind of get back to a lot of our old horror franchises is put them in a fucking video game and just let us play. And it's the right move because some of these franchises definitely are going to do super well for having a boost they've never had before. Franchises like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, um, 
Friday the 13th, uh, Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I mean, there's been Friday the 13th video games before. There has been Texas Chainsaw Massacre video games before as well, too. But the simple fact that we have these game companies and these creators who have such a passion in bringing that to today's audience, it cannot be overstated at all. This is great to bring eyes to even older products, or older projects, excuse me. And what I hope that means is that the ones that we've been wanting games for for a while, like some kind of update, some kind of improvement, that we finally are gonna get something. I mean, let's be real here. I'm a big Nightmare on Elm Street fan, and I have the Nightmare on Elm Street Nintendo game. I've played uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street PC game as well. I even have, literally, off the other side of my uh, my studio here, I have one of, uh, actually, no, they're both, they're right both there, both Nightmare on Elm Street board games over there as well, too. So I love me some fucking horror games for sure. But uh, I would kill to see a Nightmare on Elm Street game to where you got one person as Freddy and everybody else is the Dream Warriors. Like, it's literally the Friday the 13th game. You could make that. Somebody go and do that right now. Um, a Chucky game at this point. It's kind of weird that we haven't gotten it, but I get it. Chucky is usually not about, like, the big cast. Like, you know, Friday the 13th, it's a group of count, uh, count counselors. Nightmare on Elm Street, it's a group of kids. Chucky, it's not really a group of anybody. Like, it's this sorted sort of mix of people who are trying to hunt down or trying to escape from chucky so i get that but either way it's not like i'm the biggest killer clowns in outer space fan uh matter of fact i do need to do a review for that for the show sometime because i know a lot of you absolutely love that movie so it's worth another watch and uh, we will do that we will absolutely do that but i'm not the biggest killer clowns in outer space fan but either way you take an old established horror franchise you slap it onto a multiplayer game i'm in so hopefully this turns out great for everybody what else it was recently announced that finally 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 y'all the hellraiser movie has a release date y'all october 7th david bruckner's hellraiser is coming to hulu and yes we know bits and pieces about it here right now, okay? Right now, it sounds like it's likely going to be a reimagining of the original story. Um, so, like, we, we don't really get to go much further than that. We know Jamie Clayton is playing bit, uh, Pinhead this time around, um, which is going to be very fucking awesome to see because you have to keep in mind the Cenobites are without sex. Uh, they are not, they are genderless. They're not male. They're not female. Um, they're not even they. Uh, you know, they are genderless. And so... I think it's going to be interesting to see a brand new take on Pinhead. And I know uh, it's not like Doug, Bra Doug Bradley's the only Pinhead we've had before because he only played it up to a certain part in the original franchise before uh, the role was taken over in the last two. I think it was Hellraiser Judgment. And God, I don't want to say Hellraiser Origins, but God damn it, you know the trend of naming movies, y'all. There's probably a Hellraiser Origins out there. Uh, but I think it was two entries that D Doug Bradley didn't do. So this is not new. But it's exciting to see that it's finally here because we know, we know there is more in the Hellraiser franchise that's coming. Uh, or we hope, because I talk about HBO Max, there was a TV series uh, that was being developed for HBO Max. I say being developed. Uh, we don't know if it still is because HBO Max is just fucking ludus, like ludicrous right now. It's absolutely insane over there. So who knows what the hell is going to happen with that. But either way, we know. And just a little bit over a month's time, we are getting a new Hellraiser film. And it's crazy, y'all, how much new shit 
do we really have coming up here? We have so many sequels. You got Michael back in October. You got Chucky back in October. You got Pinhead back in October, man. You have the Munsters coming back. We have all this new horror coming out over the next couple of months. It is such a great time, man. Halloween this year is gonna be lit, y'all. It's absolutely ridiculous. So, that's enough here for uh, for horror news right now. It is time to get into our reviews tonight. And tonight, we are talking the 1997 adaptation of The Shining. Now, for those of you out there that are big fans of Stanley Kubrick's Shining film, it should be no surprise to you, if you really are big fans, that Stephen King had a lot of issues with that film. Whether you like it or not, that is irrelevant. It has been made very clear that Stephen King has had his problems with that adaptation. Now, I'm not going to claim that, oh man, you know, I back Stephen King, so fuck that. Like, that, that Shining film is crap, it's crap. No, I mean, that's cool that Stephen King doesn't like it. I just don't like the movie. Um, I don't know if I've ever actually enjoyed the original Shining film. And I said, I love Stanley Kubrick as a filmmaker. I really do. I love the cast. Um, there, there should be a lot to enjoy about that film, but it doesn't land for me. It never has. Um, and I, I've tried watching it numerous times. I've met a number of the cast members from the original Shining as well, too. I have a signed copy of the Blu-ray upstairs. Like, it, For all intents and purposes, I should really enjoy this film, but I don't. And so I decided that uh, after getting a lot of requests uh, earlier this year and last year to do some Stephen King, that if I was going to revisit The Shining, I was going to revisit the 97 miniseries instead because I've only seen that once. And I remember enjoying it more than the film. Now, just downright enjoying it, that's a different story. But I remember enjoying it more than Kubrick's film. And I know that a lot of people enjoy it more than Kubrick's film as well because it's more accurate to the book. Uh, in my review of Dr. Sleep, I mentioned how uh, I, I have not read through The Shining. I've tried it multiple times and just haven't gotten through it. And, you know, that's all right. I read a lot of Stephen King. I, I have read a lot of Stephen King. I say a lot, actually, what seems like a lot to me. But in reality, I know Stephen King has written so many things. Um, but as a, as a kid, I read so much Stephen King. And The Shining was just one that, you know, I kept trying and I kept putting it right back down. It just wasn't working for me. And I think it's because... I enjoy a lot more of Stephen King's stories that have to do with a physical a physical threat, you know, whether it's a man, whether it's a monster, a spirit, demon, you know, whatever. Um, the the physical threat always stood out more to me than um, a, a ghost. I don't I don't mean that as a rip on King because again, like if I think The Shining is like his worst story, his worst story is still better than the majority of other books I've read in my lifetime. So I, it's just not for me, and I can understand that. So with the 97 Shining, there are so many changes from the original uh, original film and from the book as well. And I'm going to try not to keep diving into, uh, you know, this is different, this is different, different, this is different, and so on. There are some things I'm going to point out, but I'm trying my best to kind of stay away from doing that. Um, the big, big change here, the story is still the same. You know, uh, if you know The Shining, you know it that uh, the Torrances go up to the Overlook Hotel and this is where uh, they now live because Jack is the new caretaker of Jack Torrance, the new caretaker of the Overlook. 
And over their time staying there, they start to realize that um, they are being haunted by ghosts that stay within that overlook itself and that it's going to be up to them to uh, uh, it's going to be up to Jack, Danny and Wendy to figure a way to get out of there. And I might have called an outlook a few times. I know it's the overlook. Um, so my bad there on that. But uh, the story is the same if you know the story of The Shining. A family goes to stay at the Overlook Hotel, and slowly uh, the patriarch of the uh, of the family, uh, Jack Torrance, begins to go insane, and his son Danny and his wife Wendy try in their best efforts to escape Jack before something worse happens. Now, the bigger change, biggest change right off the jump here, is that the majority of this film and uh the the hotel itself are actually filmed at the stanley hotel in colorado now i live in colorado and i have actually dj'd at the stanley hotel before as well too so i've worked at the stanley hotel uh, i've been a staff member there before uh so it's nice to have that kind of fun fun connection when watching this especially because again most of the 97 miniseries was actually filmed in colorado at the stanley hotel now, King uh, Stephen King always said that the Stanley, uh, excuse me, the Overlook Hotel was based on the Stanley. But when you see the original Shining film, that is not the Stanley Hotel. Like it's a massive, massive structure, uh, which I believe is actually an organ. I want to say is where that hotel that they filmed it uh, is is set at. Is that it's an organ? Um, but that is not the Stanley Hotel in the least bit. The Stanley Hotel actually, funny enough, seems a bit more inviting, at least in the 97 miniseries. It seems far more inviting and welcoming than uh, the, the hotel that they used in the original Shining. And that's a very, very inspired choice because in addition to using the Stanley, they also do a lot of shooting around Colorado as well, too. So we see Denver International Airport, DIA's in there. We see a lot of the roads leading up to the uh, the Stanley Hotel as well, too. And again, for somebody who lives in Colorado like myself or knows Colorado, that alone is super interesting to watch, like actual on-location filming. And sometimes that just helps the story a little bit more. Um, I won't lie and act like re-watching this then it kind of freaked me out just a little bit seeing all this happening and knowing, hey man, that's like 30 minutes down the road, honestly. Like that's not that far away from where I'm at right now, honestly. Uh, so I, I think that's super, super cool seeing that. And obviously there's been a lot of changes from when this was shot back in 1996 to uh, to now in 2022. But for the most part, everything really does look the same. And I think that that serves very, very well because it helps distinguish it uh, so differently from the original film because this over uh, this overlook hotel again it's very very welcoming so it doesn't seem like anything evil or sinister could happen there it's very white it's very bright it's very upbeat and i think that's an inspired choice and mick garris who you might remember that name because mick garris has done a lot of stephen king adaptations including what i feel is the best adaptation the stand uh, Mick Garris actually did that one as well too. So there's a lot of it, it like I know King's works are all in the same universe. They're all very much a shared universe. But in this day and age when we're combining so many things and this character or this item can appear in this story or that story, it's kind of interesting to look back and think like man, like this actually seems like it's in the same universe as film or as miniseries like the Langoliers and like the stand and like it. And I think that's really, really cool to see that all these like look like it could be set in the exact same universe. That's that's really, really cool. Um, 
Jack. The Torrances are very, very different from the way they kind of seem in the original film as well, too. And I like this this characterization of them as well. I think the biggest difference is really going to be... Actually, they're all pretty big. I mean, if you look at Danny. Danny is really quiet in the, uh, in the original film. And not only that, is that he's acting very much like a realistic child of his age. I, I, I honestly think that the way Danny is in the original Shining is one of the better parts of the film because that's how I think a, a normal child really would act in a lot of these situations. And that's not to say, uh, that that's not to say here that, um, uh, 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 oh God, I'm, I'm trying to remember the actor's name here. Um, that That's not to say that the actor that plays uh, Danny here in the 97 Shining is bad in the least, but he's certainly not. Like I, I enjoy his acting quite a lot it is Cortland Mead Cortland Mead is the actor who plays Danny sorry I had to look that up there um uh-huh oh oh wow all right this kid has been in a lot of shit that I've I've seen uh, I knew he was in uh funny enough we're talking about Hellraiser um he was in Hellraiser Bloodline um so I knew he was in in Hell, uh, Hellraiser film but he's been in a lot of other stuff I've seen he was in Babe and he was in Tom and Huck which I absolutely love um, he was in Little Rascals. He was in A Bug's Life. So my man's done more than a more than a few things here. But and this is the this is no no knocking Cortland Mead's acting in the least bit. But I feel that Danny was written here in the '97 miniseries to uh, be a little bit more talkative, a little bit more active, and that works to make Danny a more interesting character because he's not really a mute anymore. He's not really that silent. He's at, he's an active participant in everything that's going on. Um, but sometimes it can be really hard to give kids believable dialogue in films and roles like this. So that kind of stands out a little bit with Dan uh, with Danny in this. And that might be the one downside is that Danny isn't as strong of a character as he is in the original film. Which is weird because he says so much more. Wendy and Jack, though, on the other hand. Mm, um, first of all, the fact that Steven Weber as Jack is a really, really good choice because... I think that a lot of us who have seen Steven Weber before, uh, whether it's like Single White Female or Wings or Dracula Dead and Loving It, um, he comes across as this very, like, uh, Meek's not the right word. I, I kind of feel that's disrespectful to him, but he's like, a, he's a very much an everyday kind of nice guy. Like, this is the kind of guy who I feel it's so easy to get along with. Like, you would never have any issues with this guy at all. And... I think that works really, really well for for the character of Jack because unlike the original version, we don't already suspect something sinister. Like, we know something bad's going to happen because we've seen the original film, but if you hadn't just walked into it, seeing the progression of Jack into his madness over the course of this miniseries is just fantastic. You see a man who has dealt with alcohol, uh, alcoholism, and he's dealt with abuse, and he's dealt with making all these mistakes in his life, and he's genuinely trying to do so much better for himself and for his family. But being in this place, being in the Overlook Hotel, is very clearly feeding these dark impulses that you know he's managed to put away and managed to not have to worry about, but they're still just creeping right back out and sinking their hooks in. And suddenly, all these things that Jack was getting better with slowly are starting to get worse and one thing that i really really love about it is that if they just show how hard jack is fighting like yes jack is still a writer in this he's writing a play as well too but 
Whereas we took a big focus on that play and his writer's block in the original film, this more so deals with Jack's madness just of doing his job, just of being in his everyday life, just of getting through a normal day and how that can be such a struggle for him dealing with his own trauma from his childhood and passing that down onto his own child and onto his wife. And I think Weber does such an amazing job with that that when Jack finally does just snap and does go crazy, it, it it's not like it's sudden, not like the Jack Nicholson turn is very sudden or anything, but it's very well earned at that point when he does finally go crazy and start coming after his family. And you don't feel that like, oh man, like dude, just cool off. Like this is somebody who um, has been having his buttons pushed for, uh, for an ample amount of time. And finally, there's just no way to fall back from that at all. I, I just love it. I, I think that Weber did such a great job. But I think the real winner, the, the real winner in all of this is absolutely Rebecca De Mornay, um, who y'all might know again from uh, Dirty Dancing. Not Dirty Dancing. What the hell am I saying? Dirty Dancing. Ris risky Business from a uh, Risky Business or... Some of you, uh, some of you younger ones might know her from, uh, from Wedding Crashers. You shut your mouth when you're talking to me. Um, so Rebecca De Mornay is such a great choice for Wendy, uh, because I, I'm not going to knock Shelley Duvall because Shelley Duvall has done, uh, so ha has been in a number of things that I really enjoyed her in, but I simply say there's a problem with Wendy in that original film to where, I, I don't know, it just like... It, she, it, it's like the character was there to get killed by Jack, honestly. And I know she doesn't. I know she doesn't. And she's very much portrayed to be a battered wife in the original film as well, too. She's just terrified of Jack and wants nothing but just for everything to be okay with her son. But they didn't give her much else to do past that. Whereas I feel with Rebecca De Mornay in this, like Rebecca De Mornay is such a strong actor as it is. You can't have her doing that same thing because she just exudes all this strength in any role that she's doing. So it doesn't make sense to have her portrayed the way Shelley Duvall did. And I also feel like there's been a lot of talk um, uh, that a lot of the way that Shelley Duvall's Wendy came out was at the insistence of Stanley Kubrick and that that's what Kubrick wanted. And, you know, that's fine. That That's his, his job as a director to choose what he wants to show up in this film. But I think that Wendy in this miniseries is honestly the better of the two choices. Because it shows that this is, a, this is a woman who very much wants to help and support her husband who's been dealing with these major, major issues. But she truly doesn't know how. And while she is trying to look out for him, she's got to look out for not only her son, who has been a victim of you know Jack's rage, uh, rage in the past, or Jack's drunken problems in the past. She's look out for herself as well, too. And... I love the fact that it shows like she's willing to trust Jack and she is really, really trying, but she also still has that trauma and that PTSD from previous incidents. And again, Jack is not this evil man. Uh, Jack is an alcoholic for certain. And those demons have caused him so many problems in his life. And I think Wendy's, Wendy really sells that so well over just some of the looks she gives Jack over the course of this, um, uh, of this miniseries as well, because it shows that as more and more incidents keep happening throughout it, that she's starting to feel less safe and less safe and less safe. And this trust, this assurance she had in Jack at one point is getting torn away. It's getting broken down and she's having to become stronger and stronger. And that's an interesting dynamic that as Jack continues to descend in the madness, Wendy seems to, uh, seems to gain more and more 
and strength. And I know it seems like Wendy's breaking down if you watch this there, but I actually feel that um, it, it's kind of interesting. It, the implication almost seems to be that as Jack's will is being torn away, Wendy's will is being built back up. And maybe it's a reason why the Overlook might want to sacrifice Wendy as well, too. Because Jack, again, is not just after Danny. He is absolutely after Wendy in this. And I feel that that is a very much a believable theory about it. Now, beyond, uh, beyond the fantastic cast... Uh, again, The Shining is not there for jump scares. It's not there for the typical tricks of a lot of the other Stephen King stories out there that you know and that you love. So you do know what you're getting into with this uh, with this miniseries. But what I will say is that the character work in this is far better than in Kubrick's film, especially when it comes to Jack and Wendy. So if you ever thought that those characters were lacking in the original Shining... <gasps> Excuse me. I got scared. Have <laughs> you ever thought... Jack and Wendy were lacking the original Shining, then this is the miniseries for you because it really rectifies the problems that at least I had with Jack and Wendy in that original film. If you're looking for it to be a more terrifying representation of the book or of the original film, it's not really going to do that either. I think both, both adaptations suffer from the fact that just maybe the source material itself isn't that scary to begin with. And that's okay. It doesn't have to be because it's still a very strong miniseries and quite honestly there are some elements in this that tie in far better to dr sleep dr sleep was made as stephen king made that as a sequel to the shining but the thing is is that if you ever watch dr sleep check out my review that i did there are a lot of elements that say that this movie is a sequel to the shining movie more than it is a sequel to the book the shining and i would actually go so far to say that maybe Dr. Sleep is more of a sequel to this than it is the original film because the original film has quite a lot of differences in it. For example, the 97 miniseries points out a very pivotal point towards the end of the film or the end of the show to where Jack does regain his sanity uh, for a bit. He absolutely regains his sanity while talking to Danny and he makes a move to save Danny and Wendy and get them out of the Overlook. Something that we don't see in the original film at all. It's just left as Jack is sinister and that's it. And that ties very well into Dr. Sleep because part of what Danny points out in Dr. Sleep is that his father wasn't always an evil man and was always trying to do right by him and his mother. And this version of it really supports that, whereas Kubrick's version really doesn't. Um, the maze. The maze that does not actually exist in The Shining. Uh... So, again, nothing in the Kubrick added because in the book and in the 97 miniseries, um, rather than there being a maze, there are these animals that stalk the grounds of The Shining that are made out of the local shrubber uh, shrubbery. Made out of the same thing that make the maze. So that's kind of cool to see that. But the two big ones is the fact that Dick Holleran survives and the fact of the boiler. Now, Holleran dies in the original film. You might remember Jack Nicholson catches him with an axe to the back, and that's it for Dick Holleran in the film. Not in this one, where the axe is not present at all. It is a croquet mallet instead, which is a more inspired choice, in my opinion. We don't have to worry about things like the Here's Johnny, and I think there's way more tension in something like a mallet or a hammer over an axe. You know what the axe is going to do? We don't know for certain what that mallet is gonna do uh but that boiler that boiler is a big big part of it because throughout the miniseries and through the through the story 
the it's a big part of it that hey you need to dump this boiler every night or the boiler could explode and it could destroy the overlook and the reason why that's so important is that that is the crux of this miniseries. That is the solving of all of this. Whereas the original series, the original movie is about Jack has to die and the, the Torrances have to get out of there for everything to work itself out. And this one, it's the hotel. It's an evil fucking place to steal a line uh, from, uh, from Sam Jackson that is there. And that comes back in Doctor Sleep. That boiler is very, very, very important. So if you're going to check this one out, which you're probably going to have to pick up on DVD because it's very, very hard to pick this up. It's not on streaming anywhere. But if you do happen to check this one out, you are going to notice an incredible amount of differences from the original film. But I feel that those differences make this miniseries far better than the original movie ever could be. And it is a better connection to Doctor Sleep over the original film as well. So if you can, go out and pick yourself up a copy of 1997's miniseries. Hey everybody, I appreciate you checking out this video, whether it was a review, whether it was a new episode, whether it was an unboxing, an interview, or whatever else. I want to remind you, you can check out my separate reviews also on my YouTube page, and new full episodes go up every Wednesday night on YouTube at 8.30pm Mountain Standard Time, and on your favorite podcasting platforms at 8pm Mountain Standard Time. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, like and share. My name is T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared.